Hey all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host, and today we have another great guest, Mr. Brett Galloway from the SCA, which is the State Cook-Off Competition. He is the president and founder, and we're going to have a great discussion with Brett, talking about everything steak. I'll be right back. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter, sous vide and chilling from fire and water. Hey all, I want to introduce you to a company I just started working with, Fresh Jack's Organic Spices out of Jacksonville, Florida. They're a small, family-run company that's fast-growing. I've tried a bunch of their different seasoning blends and spices, and I can tell you they are all fresh, all organic. None of them contain artificial flavors or sweeteners. None of them have anti-caking agents or preservatives. They all taste like they were just made for you yesterday. Check them out, guys. They're on Amazon in the link below. They have different sample packs, different blends. Like I said, they also have the individual seasonings and spices as well. Fresh Jack's Organic Spices. Check them out, guys. I love them. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm your host. And today we got a really great guest, Mr. Brett Galloway. He is one of the founders and the president of the Steak Cook-Off Association, otherwise known as the SCA. Welcome, Brett, and uh, let's uh, find out a little bit about yourself here. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, you know, I'm I'm a, just a cooker. We started a, a little cook team back in 2009 and had a blast competing and um, ended up starting this state cook-off association, and it's just been a fun ride for the last six years. Well, where are you from, and uh, what do you do for, is this your full-time gig now, or? Yeah, I'm I'm from the Dallas Fort Worth area here in Texas. And, um, this is my full-time job. I travel the world running events. I think I was on the road 48 weekends last year. Um, it's, I think I was in Australia four times, Canada, Japan. I mean, I've been a little bit of everywhere, but it, it, I'm meeting the greatest people in the world. It's a blast. So what did you do before you got involved in the, uh, you started these, uh, state cook-offs? I, I was an old restaurant manager by trade. You know, I, I did restaurant management and I like the thrill of, you know, running the restaurant and it's not if something goes wrong, it's when. And so uh, Ken Phillips is the co-founder. He was also in restaurants and we met at a recruiting company. I'd, I had went there, um, went there to work before I started SCA and we ended up working together at this place and just became a friends and we started competing together. And then, uh, you know, SCA started a little after. So you guys, um, were you working like for the same restaurant chain or were you working for a different company or well, how'd that work? Uh, we worked for the same recruiting company. That's okay. where we met. He, he had came there after he went to college. So you recruited people to work in restaurants and all that. Oh yeah. How would you like to work 70 hours and never see your family <laughs> paid 40,000 and have no benefits? Where do yeah. I sign up? I hated every uh, minute of it. I uh, actually, yeah, my first, uh, when I was 16, I got in the restaurant business to start, you know, I started washing dishes and worked my way up to the, you know, short order cook line. I worked for, you know, the, you know, like the Denny's type restaurants, you know, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, family type stuff and TGI Fridays, those kind of places, Um, you know, no, no uh, white tablecloth restaurants, but 
but I, you know, I spent the first, you know, probably six or eight years of my uh, working life in restaurants and most of it cooking, but I, I kind of got, you know, I got the taste of that. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't get very much pay. You work crazy hours and um, you know, you're, you're running around a lot and, especially on a Sunday morning when you work at a, you know, a breakfast place and the, you know, the, the church crowd comes in and you got five, you know, 500 tickets up on the wheel and uh, everybody wants it out now. So it's oh, yeah. a lot of pressure and it's you know not very good reward. Not every, it's not like they see on chopped, you know, or, you know, some of these uh, cooking shows on TV, you know, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, the good news is it prepared me for what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I've, I've talked to a lot of people that, uh, you know, that are chefs that, you know, went to culinary school, worked in restaurants, and now they do something else, you know, in the field. <laughs> they work, they rep for, you know, uh, sous vide machines or companies, vacuum sealer companies or something like that, where they go around to the, uh, you know, the conferences and stuff and do demo cooks and show people how to use equipment. And they say, that's much better than, <laughs> than what I was doing, you know, in a kitchen for sure. Absolutely. But at least they have the experience. So, so you started out doing barbecue cook-offs with with uh, Ken. Is that what you said? Yeah, we start. Actually, we started with steak cook-offs. We uh, a bunch of buddies from church got together and decided, let's go try one of these events. I I was watching a the Texas Steak Cook-off with my wife one day, and I said I could do that. And I think she had a moment of weakness because I had never heard these words from her before. But she said, "You can do anything." I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let me download this application before she changed her mind." <laughs> so I downloaded the application and we entered that first cook off and just had a blast. You know, we're both, I invited Ken to come out cause he's a, he's a great cook at home and he's a, uh, he's a uh, very competitive person as well. So we got Ken and a couple guys from church and just had a great time. Um, didn't do well, but we had a great time. So I'm not really familiar with, I, I'd never done uh, competitive uh, barbecue or anything like that, or cooking for in general, were the state cookoffs just like kind of regional events, or they one-off events that other organizations put on before you guys kind of had the idea to to have this organization. Yeah, before we started, there was nine state cookoffs in the country. Uh, that was six years, just six and a half years ago. There was nine of them in the whole country, um, but none of them were sanctioned. They were all ran differently and. Ken and I won all but one of those cook-offs while we were out competing. And they were in four or five states, um, but there just wasn't very many of them. And we loved doing them. I got a little bit, there was, it was a, like a three-month season. So I got bored and I started doing competitive barbecue. And then we had a, some success in competitive barbecue also and had a great time, but the love was in steak. You know, the steak cook-offs are a lot, I enjoy them. So with the steak, when you started doing them, they weren't connected like have an association like the Kansas City Barbecue Society or or any kind of governing type body like that. So no, they were all in sanction. There was no, yeah. there were no set rules. They were different everywhere you went. Now were they all? Yeah, were all different. Did they like all have different kinds of steak they cooked and different kind of rules and all that? Or well, one of them had T bones. One of uh, the majority were ribeye steaks. I went to one one time and. They didn't. They couldn't afford ribeye. They told us at the cooks meeting, so we got to cook sirloins, which we had never cooked a sirloin, or I hadn't before. But ended up getting third place, I think, that day. But there was just no standards. There was no rules, and you know there wasn't a governing body for it. 
So when you guys sat down and said, okay, well, I, I see an opportunity here. How long did it take you guys from putting it, writing it down on a napkin and uh, to putting it into fruition? Well, it was a hard decision because we, we, I don't believe in cooking in your, your own organization. So I didn't want to quit competing. So I talked to Ken and Ken and I decided, well, let's run one event just as we'll just be a promoters of a cook-off. And we're going to test some things that we think could be done a little better far as far as cookers go uh, with the judging and so we ran that one event we had 42 teams there which is a you know above our average right now is we're at 38 but we had 42 that day the event went great the feedback was great and it took us probably another six months before we decided we're you know we're going to stop competing and we'll just start running sca how did you get the word out about the, your your competition? Did you just people you knew or you competed with before and, you know, just, Hey, tell everybody, all your friends and all that. We, we knew a lot of the promoters just from competing around and they were actually very sharing with us to give us some of the, some of their techniques of how they ran the judging. So we'd have better insight into it. And they actually helped us with our first event. And we also went to the national barbecue conference and met a lot of people there. So our first event, you know, it went off pretty well. Yeah. Did you, you know, make money? Did you lose money? Was it a break even type event or was it just something you did, no. you know, as a charity type thing or no, that's a great question. The first event was, a. it ended up being a break even. Um, we, even with the number of teams we had, we had a very large payout. Um, we didn't, I guess I didn't realize as we were going through it, you got to sell a lot of steak dinners to pay out $2,500 for a first place without sponsors. So we, we spent way too much on trophies. We spayed the payouts were high, which is great. I mean, if we could get sponsors or the, our promoters, their, their payouts would be higher too. But yeah, it was, it was a learning experience for us because we came from the cook side and we we're trying to work on the judge side, but it also gave us insight to the promoter side, which is, you know, kind of where it let us down. Yeah, because you you don't just need to attract teams. You need to attract people to come and buy, and buy the steak dinners, like you said. The, you know, the yeah. people to come and and eat, and eat them. <laughs> yeah, the majority of the events are they do not do a steak dinner now. Um, there's just a, a lot of labor involved with doing that, and another layer that first time promoters or a lot of these promoters just can't handle, or they're not right. equipped to handle. So, in order to replicate this and do more events on a larger scale, we had to drop that piece of the event at all but a couple. So it's not like, you know, I've been to, I've been to a few, you know, barbecue competitions. I've just never competed in them. So I know that, you know, that like the day before, like the Friday, you know, night is the time where, you know, people are coming in and, and they're selling, they're just cooking and selling stuff. They might have little, you know, side competitions going on with, you know, like the, you know, the best, uh, you know, hot dogs or something, you know, whatever the, the, you know, the fun stuff, they're not doing the main ribs and brisket and all that until Saturday. But right. that, that, it seems like that, you know, that's where the teams get to make a little bit of that money back that they're, you know, putting in and, you know, and the, the operation itself does, they, they get to sell a lot of that barbecue. We just had one not too long ago here in Lakeland. It was, it was a huge event. I mean, actually, that I think we went there on Friday, and there had to have been five, six thousand people in there <laughs> eating. Yeah. I mean, just you know, I mean, it was really big, and um, so I, I knew that all the teams were just slam busy, you know, selling 
eaten barbecue, not competition yeah. barbecue. <laughs> you know, there's two different types, but uh, but it seemed it seemed like that's a big part of those competitions to try to generate you know cash, you know, to get it, you know, get keep those things going and generate your purses and prizes and trophies and all that stuff and and paying to to put it on besides the sponsorships. So. Yeah, it's it's another layer. I mean, they, the, some of those events like Lakeland you're talking about, they run a great event, and it, there's just a lot of layers to it. It takes a lot of people to pull it off, and you know, honestly, a lot of our events aren't are in little small towns. You know, small town America, and you know, if, if they have three people that can help with the event, I feel pretty lucky sometimes. You yeah. know, but it's a small group that's there's a lot of you know we have Masons groups that put it together. There's you know VFW halls. It's it could be the chamber of commerce. It, it's just different at every event. It, now, do mo- most of the places that do that um, are they looking just like to just get raise some money for charity events and stuff like that? Is that how it works? Yeah, the majority of our events are for a charity of some sort. Um, you do get some cities that'll put them on, and really, they're just they want to put butts in beds. They want people sleeping in the hotels, spending money on gas, buying groceries at some of those events. But a lot of them. The majority are for charity. They're trying to raise money for different groups. Now, do you tie in a lot of times with some uh, barbecue competitions that are going on too, as well, or like you know, be around the same time or a couple of days before or after? About a quarter of our events are associated with a barbecue cookoff, whether that be an FBA, an MBN, a KCBS. Man, I'm running out of acronyms, but there's different organizations <laughs> around the world that we work with, and generally, we'll, if we're in conjunction with a barbecue, we'll, we'll run a Friday night event. You know, we have our, we think we have a, our unique field of Fridays. We, we bring a little energy. We have our awards that night. So you got, you know, three to 10 people that are going to win a prize and win some money that night, you know, and then they get bragging rights going into the weekend with their buddies that are cooking barbecue. Right. And, yeah. And I, I, I talked to, you know, Malcolm Reed, I've talked to a couple mm-hmm. other, you know, Harry Sue and, uh, I've seen, uh, Cosmo talk about, you know, I know he won, he won at one time, the, the yeah. national, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, those guys seem to just love the events more, you know, like what Malcolm told me, it's just like what barbecue competitions used to be like, you know, they're, they're more friendly, more, you know, people just go there to have a good time. It's not all about the money and, and, and all that, um, you know, uh, it's just more fun for them and it's a one day event, you know, so they don't mind, you know, going there for a, a Friday night or a Saturday and just being able to hang out, cook bull crap with the people that they love and talk to, you know, and then, then hang out and go back home. So. Well, I, th- I think that's a lot of it. Guys like that one day format, they can come out, you can hang out with your buddies. It's not a lot of pressure. I mean, you're at the grill six to 10 minutes, usually cooking a steak. I mean, there's guys that have different processes. I mean, you know, we got some guys trying to sous vide out there as well. And I know you're into that. Um, you know, all I can say about that is there's some dang good filters on Instagram right now. Cause I watch <laughs> you guys practice and the stakes they post look amazing. And I go to an event and, you know, I will see some, I can tell you the stakes that come through that are sous vide cause they're grayish. Yeah. So I think if somebody nails the color, they could really do well, but they haven't done it yet. Instagram's <laughs> killing them. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know what's, what's the time limit on, is it like a two hour time limit on the cook? On a Friday night, you're usually going to get two and a half hours with the steak before you turn it in. And then there's a half hour window. So 
it doesn't give you a lot of time. And during the weekend, you usually got about four, four and a half hours with yeah. it, which is still pretty tight for a sous vide. Yeah, and um, and it all depends. You got to really know what you're doing. You can't just toss it in and not know what you're doing on the sous vide side because yeah. even though I've been doing it for three or four years, there's still things I learn every day because sous vide is not just a one-off. It's not just good for steaks doing a certain thing. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. E- even with steaks, you know, a ribeye, I do more, even for medium rare, I do it at a higher temperature because there's so much fat and connective tissue in it compared to a New York strip or a filet mm-hmm. that you got to take that into consideration. You want some of that fat to render in the sous vide that normally would render on a grill while you're cooking it over open flame. So you really ought to, you don't want to cook it at 131 degrees. You want to cook it at 134 degrees to get that to render. So those are the kind of nuances you really got to start getting into, especially if you're going to go to competition with it. But that's one of the good things I want to talk about those, because you do allow sous vide in, in the competition, like where barbecue competitions, they won't allow it. You got to cook it on the, you know, smoker or grill. Um, you can't do anything with the sous vide at all. Well, I mean, we're any fire heat source. If you think you can beat 40 grown men and women on a George Foreman, God bless you, bring it out. And if you <laughs> want a sous vide, go ahead. We've had a guy in, I was in the Netherlands, and a guy dug a hole, built a fire, laid a steak on a shovel, and cooked on a shovel and got a fifth place. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 if you can cook, you can cook. Um but yeah, we should. We want to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Why exclude electricity? Why exclude gas? That's right. what guys are used to cooking on, or what they want to cook on. And you know, I don't know that there's an advantage to any aspect of cooking. I've seen guys win on almost all of them. Yeah, and that, that's my whole philosophy. Even with, I know there's a lot of traditionalists when you get into certain things like barbecue. Sure. You know, I got to put mustard on it. You know, I got to you know, yeah. to slather before I put my. You know, a lot of that stuff is my whole philosophy is there's a million different ways to cook a pork butt, not just smoking Mm -hmm. it on a grill. I mean, I can, I can make it Latin style. I can make it sliced. I can make it, you know, pull, I can, I can do a hundred different ways. And even now with sous vide brings into it is like, I can make a medium rare brisket that's still tender and falling apart or, or beef ribs that are medium rare and tender. So, I mean, it's, you can make something that you couldn't make with either one of the cooking methods by themselves. So that's what I I try to get people, you know, it's not going to replace, you know, using a smoker or, Mm -hmm. or just, you know, and smokers aren't going to replace using a sous vide. There's certain things you can cook and and do different ways when you use different cooking methods together. And I think when you get too locked in or too, um, you know, traditional and say, it's got to be, you know, you got to do it exactly this way. And and with barbecue, it's funny because they really don't because they, you know, when you watch Johnny Trigg make his ribs, it's like, God, you know, really they used parquet, you know, and six different kinds know. of you know, honey and agave and 12 rubs and, you know, all, injecting it with all kinds of phosphates and whatever they else they want to put in there. I mean, you, they doctor the meat so much and it's like, you know, how in the world, you know, I know you're just going for that one bite to try to be different, but it's still, you know. They even said, you know, Malcolm even said, yeah, there's eating barbecue and there's competition barbecue. You can't eat the bar- competition barbecue, a whole plate of it. So. <laughs> I When I competed in barbecue, I didn't eat my brisket. It, my competition brisket tasted like pot roast. It looked like it smelled like pot roast. It it won, but it, it wasn't brisket, man. I, yeah. I didn't like it at all. It was yeah. horrible. 
And they're, they're the, like I said, the barbecue guys are the first to, I mean, even Harry Sue, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't cook for my family that way because it's totally different. You know, I watched him do chicken thighs and the amount of time he took just trimming them and taking the skin off, scraping the fat off the back, putting it back on with transglutamate, you know, making it look so pretty. And then, you know, it's like, wow, you're not going to do that cooking for your family or anything. So, but I like it when, you know, at least, you know, they, they do let you do different things. And like I said, I like the fact that you guys allow pretty much, you know, cook it any way you want. You're up against all these other guys. So, you know, you get, if you win, you win. If you don't, you know, go get a PK grill and a set of grill grates. Well, that, that's not going to guarantee you win. No, I know. For sure. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, what's interesting is meathead does have a little influence out and he has a lot of influence in the cooking world, but, um, you know, some of his posts on there, you know, two years ago it was, or last year it was big sous vide was kind of his push. And, yeah. you know, the year before, I think he talked about reverse sear. Hello. He talked about, sorry, about reverse sear. Um, so a lot of things he puts out there, guys are actually, you know, they're going out there and trying and, yeah. you know, they're all great techniques. The guy knows his, he's sharp. Yeah. And like I said, he's one of the guys like me that understands that there's many different ways to cook things and it's all can be delicious. It doesn't have to be one. It's they're not fighting each other. You know, cooking methods are cooking methods. They're not battling each other. It's not like, you know, Chevy versus Ford or whatever, you know? And that's, that's what I try to pull some of these people off, off of their uh, high horses and just, you know, Oh man, you're boiling your meat. It's like, dude, come on. You know, if you want to boil your ribs, you know, go ahead. They're not going to come out great. But, I mean, you know, there's other ways you can cook that it's still going to be good. I mean, people fry chicken, people smoke chicken. You're going to tell me you don't like fried chicken? You know, I mean, it's two different cooking cooking methods, and it produces two different things, you know. So I, I, I like food, and I like eating food. So, I mean, I like trying different things and cooking different ways. So, but, uh, yes, I, I'm really – I'm really tempted to try a steak cook-off event. I think there's one coming up here close to me, and uh, I think it's over in Frostproof or something. Um, There is one in Frostproof coming up. Like in in March. Is it March or? uh, I believe it's it's, March. And you got a a judge training. I was thinking about taking the judge's training too. The judge training is very valuable if you're a cooker. I mean, it's great if you want to judge, obviously. You you can judge anywhere in the world at an SCA event, but – as a cooker to know the process, whether it's SCA, KCBS, whatever organization, just knowing that judging process inside and out. And it's taught by people that are running events week, you know, every weekend. And that class actually is Ken Phillips, the co-founder of SCA is teaching the class. So talk about hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, we, we wrote the book on it, you know, the judging process all along. So it wouldn't be anybody better to take a class from than Ken being there. How long did it take you guys to develop that type of, um, you know, all the rules and how, what you look for as far as the judges are uh, concerned? You ever slammed your finger in a drawer? <laughs> that's, that's how we learned. No. Yeah. Um, what we did was, you know, we had a base of the rules from those other events and we eliminated a couple and added a couple. But um, since our first event, our process has changed very slightly. It was our third event. We made the big change, and it's really been very similar since, just minor tweaks along the way. So it took us, you know, that first year, we, after about four or five events, we had it set the way, you know, the way we thought we wanted it. And every year, it changes just slightly, with, you know, based on cooks' suggestions, judges' suggestions. 
you know, now this year we're to the point where we're very proud of the system. I think it works great. We think it's very fair. And, you know, we didn't, we hardly had any changes this year. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to take a, a couple minute break here and uh, for an ad, and I will be right back with Brett Galloway from the SCA State Cook-Off Association. I'll be right back. Hey, all, this is Darren, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about Masterclass. I just signed up for Masterclass, and I can tell you what, it's well worth it. Masterclass is where you can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn how to sous vide from Thomas Keller. You can learn how to make Texas barbecue from Aaron Franklin himself. All these classes are available on Masterclass, plus many more. Masterclass has great video content, interactive assignments, social interaction with the Masterclass community, all for just one fee. You can either buy each individual class for $90 each, or you can sign up for the annual pass, which gives you access to all their classes for just $180. And that's what I signed up for. Check it out, guys. Masterclass has some of the best online training you can find. Check it out, guys, in the link below. Masterclass, amazing. Now on to the show. All right, we're back with Brett, and um, let's talk a little bit about since you guys started it. We just talked about how you put the rules together. Since you first started those first few events, has it been more like a snowball going down a mountain as far as building, or is it kind of was it slow to take off? Or uh... well, you know, we went to that National Barbecue Association conference. And we met people like Harry Sue there, and Linda Orison and Brad Orison from the shed and Mark Lambert, um, you know, Malcolm Reed was there as well. Mike Mills up North. And we met a lot of the bigger names in the barbecue world and they, they kind of took us under their wing and helped us grow stick cook-offs. We, uh, there was nine of them when we went to that conference. And at the end of the first year, we had 19 events, 19 sanctioned stick cook-offs. And man, we thought we're, we're killing it. You know, had 19 of them. Well, then the next year it went to 47 events. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, we went 19, 80, or 47, 87, 116, 232, and last year was uh, 392. Um, now, where did you get all the resources to, to – to, you said that's rapid growth. I mean, I mean, and that takes a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of resources to put those things on, I'm sure. Well, the good news is Ken and I came from a restaurant management um, background, but then we also got into recruiting. So we've done a ton of interviews with potential managers, and you can you can kind of smell a smoke screen sometimes. And um, what we've found is it's not the people that come to you. Hey, I want to be a rep for your organization. It's it's identifying those you know a judge that you have. Man, they're sharp, and hey, they may have had a restaurant background or they were in management and that that's really the key to the people that run our events for with us. They are uh, usually busy. They've been in the business world or they're uh, they're old restaurant managers that, you know, it's not, if something goes wrong in restaurants, it's when, you know, so you got to be on your toes and, you know, and running an event, it's, you got to plan for success for these events. And we've been lucky. We've really had some great people that have came along with us and, you know, honestly, some of those guys are just as excited about growing it as we are. They've, you know, so that's a, it's a great thing. We're thankful. So you have local reps in each like market then, correct? Yeah, we've got 52 reps around the world right now. Um, I think there's seven in Europe, 
Australia's got six, I believe. Uh, we just have three more in New Zealand. Uh, the rest are in the United States, and then we also have some in Japan. Now, do they do any kind of sales, like trying to go out and drum up events, or do, are they strictly just setting up the events when, you know, do you have enough business that where people are just coming to you at all times saying, hey, we want to put an event on? The majority of them, they're coming to us now for events. We're actually turning down some events right now, um, just busy weekends. Remember we had 19 the first year? Yeah. We have a we have a weekend coming up with 21 events. Uh, and just that one weekend. In one weekend and they're, you know, it's spread between three or uh, four countries. Wow. So um it really it takes an army and we've we've got these guys that are willing and helping us to grow this and they're having as much fun as we are, we think. At least that's what they say. Now do you have guys in other countries as well working for you or is it strictly they they they're here and they, you send them over to other countries? There's there's the people in Australia, Europe, and New Zealand. They live there. They're from there. Uh, Harry Havinga, he is our part. He, we actually have a partner in Europe, and he helps us grow Europe. So he, you know, that's his position there. The rest of them are judges that go out and run an event that weekend, and they may talk to different promoters that are doing a barbecue cook-off or, um, you know, or from the local VFW or whatever it may be about events, but really they're, they're out there running those events on a weekly, you know, weekend. Now do your uh, judge classes always get filled up pretty quick. They're different everywhere we go. It depends on the market. We're trying to be careful not to oversaturate a market. Um, but if I, if we have an event and we're short judges, we know we need something in that area. Uh, you know, the teams count on those judges. They count on the consistency of certified judges. So it's, you know, Florida's got, has had as many judges as any state out there. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we're still short in Florida at certain events. So um, we're, we're having two more classes there coming up real soon. Um, we've got another one coming in Texas, or uh, yeah, one coming in Texas. We're trying to build Georgia. Usually when we start a new market, um, like we're going to Connecticut, uh, we're going to Maryland. So when we start a new market, we'll do a class there to help it helps the promoter to have certified judges. To, it helps to bring in the teams, and it helps support their event. Um, if I do a class and I have a certain amount, then I don't have to charge them for travel, and it it covers the travel, so it saves them on their bottom line, which is less you know less teams they need to for their break even on their event and raise money for their charity. Now, how many of these events do you personally go to yourself? Now, I went to forty seven last year. Or I was gone 47 weekends and nine weeks last year during the week. But we also were connected. Ace Hardware is our national sponsor. So we go to the Ace Hardware show twice a year. I've got that coming up now shortly. Um, I travel internationally to make sure, you know, just training and development erupts in new areas. So I travel quite a bit, but my wife, um, our children are in college now. And so, um, I'm able to bring my wife sometimes with me, which really helps. And it, you know, we're getting paid to see the world. It's it's great. I see, I may see Australia, Sydney, Australia for four hours before my event, but I get to see Sydney, Australia for four hours. <laughs> right. And then I, you know, when we, when we start a new market, really we're singing for our supper. I'm, I'm doing a judge class. I'm doing a cooking class and you know, it, it, it's not really work when you're having fun. I, I don't think. Right. 
and it's something that you guys put together and you built it and it's yours. So it's uh, always, that's, that's the most satisfying thing uh, I think is when you're able to put something together like this, watch it grow. It's like a, like a child pretty much, you know, it's like watching your kids grow up. <laughs> yeah. You're going to skin some knees along the way, but yeah, oh, you're yeah absolutely definitely. right. You know, we've, we've had a couple missteps here and there along the way. And I think long as you own up to those and learn from them and, um, you know, I think it's made us better, you know, the organization and, you know, going from stop, you know, from zero to right now we're on projection. It's 461 as of today for the year, 462. Yeah. I got another one, but I think we're going to end up over 500 this year. So it's, there's, there's been some learning along the way and um, it's good. The things Ken and I thought we were good at, we weren't as good at. You know, yeah. and some things we thought we were weak, we're, we're a little better at. And it's caused us to, you know, both reflect on ourselves to help get better so we can, you know, we got 50 guys that are working with us that we got to try to lead in the right direction. Plus well, you know, 10,000 cookers. And like you said, though, you know, with that rapid growth, you have to do it, you know, and you got to do it now. It's not like, oh, uh, we can, you know, when we get there, we get there. It's like. Now we got another event coming up and we want to make sure the things that we learned on that last one that we screwed up that we don't do it on the next one. But, you know, that's a good thing though, is that you had that many to, you know, practice with and get, get, you know, go through. And now these ones where you're really cranking out, you know, 500 is amazing after six years of just starting from, you know, let's put this one together and see what happens. (laughs) I mean, that's just amazing that, uh, uh, you guys have grown that fast and, uh, and I haven't, I've never heard anything bad about any of the competitions, you know, for me, even some of the, you know, the guys that have been doing barbecue competitions, they've never said, you know, Hey, they're okay. They're kind of hokey. They've always said they're great. They're fun. You know, you know, they're, they're, they're not as, um, you know, stressful, you know, to them because, you know, they, they stress out, you know, when they're doing a regular barbecue competition for three days and it's just, it costs yeah. them a lot of time, a lot of money and, uh, you know, they have fun doing it, but they, you know, every one of them I've talked to said they have a lot more fun at your events because they're not, that stress level is, is a lot lower and the fun level is a little higher and, um, you know, they're, they're looking forward to it more, <laughs> you know, and a lot of them have their kids like Malcolm has his kid competing in it, you know, and he says, that's the, the, the for him, it's, you know, that's what makes it fun is having his watch his kid cook, you know, and win. <laughs> Yeah, well, my children grew up at barbecue cook-offs and steak cook-offs with us. So they, they would come out to the events and people knew them. And um, I I thought it was a great place for them to learn a lot of things in life. And we we have a lot of uh, husband and wives that cook together. You see father, son, you see three generations, um, you know, and those, those kiddos out there cooking. We actually just changed the rule this year. That was our big rule change was if you're 13, you could compete in the adult steak division now. Um, it it used to be 16, but we had some kids that were cooking with their parents and, you know, people knew they were cooking, not the parents, but technically the rule said, and like, let's just make this, let's just make it 13 there. They can cook, they can compete. They have to cook, pick out their own steaks. They got to season them. They have to cook them. I mean, they're just like anybody else in the field, which, Hey, they, when they get walks and, you know, if you get a 13 year old that gets a call and you've got 42 grown men there and women there, yeah. they, they earn that call, you know, they earn that walk. So it's, yeah. it's great for them. And the more the kids learn, the better on the cooking end, you know, that. 
Right. Uh, that just goes to show you, you know, that anybody can win it as long as they do it right that one time, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they can get lucky. But um, so let's so let's take the uh, look behind the uh, curtain at the Wizard of Oz here and, and the, on the judging side. What, what can you tell me about what you guys look at as far as judging a steak? All right, it's judged on five criteria. The first thing is appearance of the steak. How does it look ap- appeal? When you look at that steak, you're going to give it a score of five to ten, five being lowest, ten being the highest. Um, does it have to have grow marks? No, Grow Greats is one of our biggest sponsors, but it does not have to have grow marks. We've had somebody win turning a grow grade upside down. We've had a guy get a fifth place on a shovel. There's guys at Suvian. So guys have won in a cast iron skillet. I mean, it's just another technique of cooking, and it's not going to have the same lines that the, a grow grate may have, but it can look just as beautiful. So we, we're very careful to stress to the judges if there are lines, they need to be consistent lines. But if they're not there, judge the steak. How appetizing does it look when you look at it? I, I find a steak out of a cast iron skillet with three colors of caramelization on it. Beautiful. Yeah, so. and, that, and that, that's one of the questions is, is that, you know, when when you give them those guidelines, it's more of a personal preference. You know, if somebody likes grill marks, then they're going to judge a, a grill mark steak maybe higher than one that just has the, you know, been cooked in a cast iron skillet because that's their personal preference. So, Sure. And all but one of our, our standards or categories is personal preference. You know, the, the appearance is one of them. Um, the next one is the doneness of the steak. You know, doneness has a standard. We have a chart that it's got five different steaks on it and you score seven to 10. The one in the middle is a 10. If they hit that color, it's a 10. Um, and it, it, it's pretty easy to find. Guys have it all over the internet. We show it at the cook's meeting. You know, honestly, if you walk into Outback Steakhouse and look at their doneness chart, huh, might be the same exact one. <laughs> I, how did that happen? <laughs> I was on Google one night, and on page six, I was just looking through. I was trying to find a perfect setup, and there's five steaks on a fork. And I said, that's it. And I sent it to Ken, and we talked. said, hey, this is the way we're going to go. And uh, one of our reps out of Florida, David Haskett, he was an outback and sent me a picture. And he said, uh, does this look familiar? <laughs> so, and it, somebody just posted it recently. I laughed about it. But, that, you know, that's, it was just a stock photo that we found online. So the doneness and then what's the other, other criteria? Uh, uh, taste. I don't know what you like taste-wise. You could like steak. It's a little spicy, a little sweet. I mean, there's variations around the country of you know, flavor profiles. So there is, it's, do you enjoy the taste of that steak? And that's, that one has a little decimal. So it's got 0.9. So it can go up to 10.9. So it's very slightly a little bit higher in value taste is, um, taste it's doneness, appearance, taste, texture, texture of the steak. Um, this is one that cooks have trouble with sometimes. I hear, man, this is the tenderest steak I've ever seen. It's just falling apart. Well, there's so many, as you know, there's so many things you can do to a steak to change the texture of that steak. There's guys doing salt brine, so you can marinate the steak. You can rub papaya on it and mango on it. I mean, there's right. so many different things. Buttermilk. There's, you can change the ch- texture of that steak in a bad way sometimes. Right. You can overdo or underdo anything. And I think sometimes maybe people are overdoing that, 
Um, but a big thing for the cookers on the texture, we always taste whatever part is in the bottom of the steak, you know, um, or in the bottom of the box towards towards the judge. So placement in the box was one of the changes this year. We allow them to put it in strategically in the box so the judge gets the best bite of steak, in their opinion, um, in the cook's opinion. So I, I think that plays a lot into it. And the biggest part of texture is steak selection. We let them actually pick their own steaks. We line them up. We give them, pull out a Crown Royal bag full of poker chips. They pick a chip, and that's how they select their steaks. It's a one, say we have 25, we go one through 25, and then we reverse the line 25 through one to pick their steaks. Hmm. There's not every steak's created equally, and sometimes you can't see what's underneath the meat there. Now, it's not like barbecue competition where it's, how they place it in the box is, is uh, judged, right? It's just strictly how the meat itself looks. So you, they don't, they don't have to put a lot of, you know, greenery in there and make it, you know, just sit in the box just right. So when they open the box, they go, Ooh, yeah. It's, now it's, we, we see enough putting greens on the weekends, you know, there's <laughs> enough grass out there and these cows are raised on grass. They, they don't need garnish in a box for a steak. It's, it's a steak competition. It's about the meat. There's no, we allow them to judge or to um, garnish an ancillary box, one of our side categories. And that's really to hold things in position. Not, they actually, if it's chicken wings, they will pull the chicken wing out, put it on their tray and judge the appearance of the chicken wing. It doesn't matter if there's a perfect putting green underneath it, or if there's mac and cheese under it, they're judging that chicken wing, not the box. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's, you know, I think that's probably the fairest you can do is because, you know, the things you want to do is like you said, texture, taste and doneness, you know, those are the things that are the most important when you're eating a steak, right? Yep. And then our last one is overall impression. How do you feel about the steak now to judge those four characteristics? How do you feel? Unless you gave it a perfect 10 all the way down, you're probably going to give it a nine. If you gave them nines all the way down, it's probably a nine. Um, if you gave them, you know, eights, it's probably an eight. There are times where that after you judge them, because in our process, you've got 30 seconds to judge at stake period, each judge. Um, if we don't get from judge one to judge five in under three minutes, we see an oxidation of the meat right. and judge five, will see a different doneness color than judge one. So it's a quick process. Um, it's, we intentionally keep it that way. So the doneness doesn't change. Um, but your overall impression can be a little different. Sometimes flavor can build on you. You're like, man, I'd love to, I'd rather, I want to change a score, but you can't. We want, we want to uh, keep your scores as they are. So you can adjust on the bottom, give them an extra point, or if all of a sudden your mouth's on fire and when you first tasted it wasn't, or you've got a bitter aftertaste. That happens sometimes. If you gave them nines all the way down, they may end up with an eight. Your last impression was it was a bitter steak or, it was, man, it was toxic. Right. It just depends. Yeah. But normally nine out of ten times it falls in line. Now, that, that's what I was going to ask you. You've been doing this quite a while now, and you've seen you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of steaks judged. How, how often does it? you know, sway too much from the first judge to the last judge as far as scores? I mean, do you see a a big mixture or are they usually consistent through the judges? I mean, or is there just like pit, you know, uh, hills and valleys of one gives them an eight, one gives them a 10, another one gives them a seven. I mean, do you see a lot of that? 
I'm very cognizant of the judging because I'm in there and I'm I want to make sure judging's fair. And um, I ran an event last weekend in Houston and I watched Dunna specifically that weekend, and there the scores were within one point. The judges were on Dunness between tape judge one and five, and it may be one of the judges was a little lower on the Dunness, but it was within one point, which that was very very accurate. Now come taste you'll see some variation on taste. It, they either like it or some judges don't care for that flavor profile. And, you know, what's interesting is guys are out there posting everything they're using, everything they're doing. And if you think people aren't watching your pictures, you've lost your mind. I mean, there's guys that'll place things in pictures just to throw people off. Right. <laughs> but the problem is which what was once unique is now common so that recipe that you're doing that you've taught 17 people to do, they're all cooking the same recipe. And, you know, that one tasted just like that one, just like that one, just like that one. So, you know, you got to keep it, you got to keep a little secret under your hat and, you know, something a little different, but you still want to be in that same range. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And it's still like when you get to like taste though, like you said, you get so much yeah personal difference you know some guy might not like garlic on a steak at all and if somebody's using salt pepper and garlic and it's heavy on the garlic you know he'll give that a six well the guy who really likes garlic will go man that tasted really good and he'll give it a 10 or a nine you know yeah. so i could understand how that can happen so to me you know it, it just really depends on a lot more things than just just what you're cooking that day it depends on what the judges like and, and like you mm -hmm. said what how that you know particular steak came out when you cooked it that particular way that day because you know you could cook a steak 10 times 10 different days and have 10 different you know results so uh, once you start cooking a lot just like with anything you know you can get it where you're pretty close every single time but uh well there's guys out there that are very consistent i mean you know the chuck edwards won our points chase dan judd's won our points chase you know terry roan the guys like those that they're very consistent you know, they've, they've figured out that profile that seems to hit on, you know, multiple levels, whether, whatever the judge likes. So that it, it's, it can be done, but you know, it's, it is personal preference on the judging a lot of times. Yeah. And those guys are probably, they're not, you know, off on deep end on anything, you know, they're not, let me try something totally different. They're more like they've been doing this long enough where they can kind of yeah. You know, it gets kind of narrow, and you can get it to within a couple points because you know most people like you know a little salt, pepper, and garlic, but they don't like you know too much of this, too much of that, you know. And like like I, I was talking to Michael from Grill Grates, you know, it's like he even said, "I wish that Grill Grates weren't as popular because you know it would break up the uh, <laughs> you know break it up a little bit because he sees everybody using them, and he you know he likes to compete in those uh, state competitions as well. Even though he works for Grill Grates, he said it's great that people use them, but he'd like to see a little bit more variety." And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, people love these competitions, even if they're reps for, you know, products, they just like, yeah. you know, having a good time and, and going out there and doing it. And it's all about, you know, having the best steak win. It's not, you got to do it a certain way and, and have it taste just right, but you could win, you could come in, like you said, and be a newbie off the street. And you know, I've seen some, I've watched some videos where a guy just, you know, just signed up for his first state competition and he walks away, you know, as a winner. So, and, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it seems like it's a really great, uh, organization. I think I'm going to sign up for one here. So, well, I know we're having a lot of fun with it and, you know, it's exciting for us to watch it grow and help, you know, be part of the growth of it. Um, but 
it's really the teams out there that are spurring this along. They're, you know, the teams start telling each other about it. And, you know, it's that snowball you talked about. It's, it's rolling downhill. And, you know, we're actually, you know, if we're turning down some events this year, just to make sure we can maintain the standards of where we are and continue to go farther later. But I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense to take a couple of these events that, you know, we've talked to it, just, you can't cannibalize one for the other. And, you know, big thing this year, add another hundred events over last year is, well, that's a hundred more events. We, we have, we have to have a hundred, we have to have new teams and new judges, new teams. And that's what we're really focusing on. I'm, I'm actually heading to California seven in the morning tomorrow. I'm teaching a state class and it's not necessarily a competition class, um, but I'm out there teaching a class just for, you know, the backyard guy to get him interested in it. And then I mix in my uh, competition things and they realize, Hey, I can do this. We had a guy take the class last time in California. He won the next day. Yeah. That's one thing you can't control is how many teams that are actually out there that want to sign up for these events. You know, you can control the marketing and, and, and hiring reps in the local areas and getting sponsors, but you really can't control how many people put together teams and sign up for the events to, uh, to come and compete. So. Absolutely. And it, you know, we're not the promoter of the events. We just run the judging and we run, um, we'll help coordinate the judging and we have the website where everyone can sign up. We do some social social media advertising for them. But as a promoter, it's their event. It's their job to go out and get teams, um, you know, talk to their local fire department to do a challenge with the police department, things like that. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways to bring people into your events. But thankfully, you know, so far this year, we've our numbers are same as last year as far as number of teams and I just think uh, with the economy and the cost of doing some other activities out there, paying $150, you know, you're outside, you're not in front of an Xbox with a family, you have a chance of winning a thousand bucks. You can't do that going to bowling. Right. Unless you're really good, man. I was never good at bowling. And <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just a good family outdoor sport. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's, you get to get outdoors and, and meet other people. Like I said, the biggest thing that I've heard from some of the guys that love it is just having that camaraderie and meeting new people and, and, you know, comparing stuff you're cooking. And it's not as serious as, you know, some of the competition barbecue has got, you know, where you can't see my secrets. A lot of them share. And you go, yeah, yeah, come on, man. You know, cause yeah. they know, you know, tomorrow they could be winning the next day. The other guys win and it doesn't, you know, just whatever comes out and they, they can put it out and they're just there to have fun anyway. But um, how many, of the teams uh, i'm sure it's a bigger percentage that you think are actually you know already a barbecue competition team that will do an sca competition when it comes into town what what we're seeing is if we have an event it's in conjunction with a kcbs event or an fba event you're going to pick up about about 40 percent of the state uh, the barbecue teams will jump on um you know some of them Either A, just don't want to cook a steak or are really just focused on that barbecue. But about 40% of those will jump on and then the rest come are just steak cookers. They just travel from event to event that just want to cook a steak. You know, throwing $1,000 out there to cook a barbecue on a weekend, that's a big expense for a lot of people's pocketbook. You know, in ours at a $150 entry fee, you're not, you're not out purchasing the meat. And sure, you got some rubs and stuff and charcoal, but and your gas to get there, but usually you can do an event for, you could do three events for the price of one 
on barbecue right now. Yeah. So and, I think that helps. And you're only burning one day. You're not there for you yeah. know three days or four days. Some of those guys get there, you know, you know, a couple of days earlier. So I know the one in Lakeland, they had guys sitting there probably for, you know, three or four days before Friday, you know, getting set up and ready to go and getting stuff prepped. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of, a lot of the guys say. It's just, it's a one day event. I don't have to blow my whole weekend. And a lot of these guys, you know, if they do, you know, 20 uh, events plus a year, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of big commitment. So a lot of guys like to take a break and go, yeah, let me just go do a steak event. <laughs> Yeah, and mix it up. Well, it it's helping us a little bit. I, I'm thankful for when they do mix us in. We're not trying to substitute for barbecue by any means. I I used to have a 24 foot trailer, and I loved going out there. And I I was thinking I was going to go out and try one out this year, cook a couple events, but I just don't have the time. And you know, <laughs> I get a couple weekends off a year, and I, I I take those and spend them with the wife, but. It's it's a uh, great event for every the family and not necessarily just you know steak guys or barbecue guys. It just everybody comes together. Now, um, how, when when does it get to a point where you say, okay, this is enough. We're only going to do this many. You know, I can only do a yeah. thousand. You know, in a, in a year, and that's just that's my breaking point. You know, I'm not sure. That's we haven't talked about that a whole lot, but you know, I know we're already turning down some events this year. I I. I don't want to outkick our coverage and have events and have them not be supported by teams. So that's, that's a, that's already a focus of where we're at. And then our championship, you know, last year we had 287 teams from, I think it was 11 countries in Fort Worth, Texas for the championship to put on an event of that size. And we throw a big party Thursday night. It's an international Friday's a big awards dinner and, We've got a band out there and it's about 1200 people there. And then plus the cook off on Sunday, it's an animal, but you know, we've this year is probably going to be 350 to 450 teams. So, um, you know, we've decided 450 is going to be the cap on the championship probably going forward. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, we've talked about, will it have to go to regionals at some point? Will we have to have the Texas regional, the, Alabama state championship and then bring those guys together in one place and have a big championship. You know, I'm not sure we're, <laughs> we're still crossing bridges. Well, those are good problems to have though, right? That's yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. not like you're not uh, going to, well, are we going to be able to throw an event this year? You're, you're like, well, geez, you know, what's going to put us to the breaking point of, <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're not losing the quality of the event. And, and uh, like you said, you, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself to where, your events aren't, aren't, uh, you know, working. And then, you know, then you start getting the the downhill slide. You want to be able to keep doing the, and have the quality of the competitors and, and the events itself. So, but it sounds like you guys are doing an off, awfully good job so far. And I I'm so impressed with just six years, how, how fast you're growing and how, how, uh, what a positive thing it, it seems to be, uh, with everybody I've talked to about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting involved and, and trying a couple of myself. So I'd rather start out with one of these than, than doing a barbecue competition. So absolutely go to one of these that's in conjunction with a barbecue, cook the steak, and then, you know, hang out with the team, observe what the barbecue guys are doing. And may that may lead you into that. That's how I got into barbecue. I was yeah. a steak guy and, you know, I, I tried my first barbecue and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we're, we're almost entry level financially to the barbecue world. You know, you, not everyone can afford a 
you know, 24 foot trailer and pit maker or whatever, and Jambo, whatever these guys are cooking on. Yeah. $30,000 you know? Jambo, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not everyone can afford that. It's a great pit. I'd love to have them. They're the, you know, they're the Corvette of pits, but, um, you know, everybody's got to grow. 87% of the country ha households either have a gas or electric or charcoal grill in their backyard. That's a lot of grills. Yeah. 6% of the country has a smoker. So right. doing the numbers, there's, there's a lot more opportunities for guys to get out there and they already have the equipment necessary. All they're lacking is the confidence to get out there. Exactly. And, you know, everybody's the king of the cul-de-sac. There's always one there's, you're probably the guy in your neighborhood, but you know, yeah. everybody's <laughs> got that guy in the neighborhood. Oh man, Joe on the end, that guy can cook. Yeah. Joe's yeah, I've got good. I've got four grills out there, and uh, you know I just recently hey. bought a little uh, a PKTX. So, nice. just look looking at this, just looking at it going, hey, you know what? If I want to do this, I mean, I can understand. I, I can look at a grill and go, I know why these are popular because I, I can I can see, you know, how they you know cook and I can, how I can use it as a cooker and and what makes this great for steaks because just the way it's designed and and you know it's not just a fluke, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's a proven steak machine right there that the PK is. You yeah. know, there's other grills out there that are great. You know, we're not we're not tied to one grill. We've got, you know, multiple grill sponsors this year. You know, the guys M Grills make an amazing grill. Hasty Bakes make an amazing grill. I mean, you can go get a Weber kettle, which I've got like six of them in my backyard. Right. My de my desk at the office is two Weber kettles with a top on it. <laughs> you know, they're just a great great grill and right. um they're a hundred bucks. Right. So you don't have to have it, but certain grills are a little more versatile than others. You know, as you could probably see on that PK that you just got. Yeah. And I've, I've had this conversation with, you know, Harry Sue, especially it's not the, it's not the cooker. It's the cook. Cause he won plenty of barbecue competitions on two Weber Smoky mountains. So, uh, Absolutely. You know, one of the guys that had the $30,000 jambos were, uh, you know, you know, sucking wind and he was, you know, walking away with the trophy and the check. So, uh, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not what you have, but a lot of times what you have can help you, you know, and it, it makes things a little easier. And, and if you use it right, so it's, it's never going to be about the grill. It's going to be about what you can do with that grill, no matter what it is. So what I think the grill adds for you is a little more consistency. It can extend that window of perfect doneness. It can extend, different aspects of the cooking for you but you can win on anything exactly you can cook you can cook well is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap this up i think we've touched about about everything um uh like i said i'm really impressed with it and i'm, I'm looking forward to get out there and, and doing a couple events myself well i i hope to see you out there and i i do come to florida ken phillips will actually be down here he's the founder you know the co-founder of sca so he'll be down at that a contest and frost proof and you know, this definitely isn't just ken and i that started this thing it's it's the teams that have been out there and the reps and we're just having fun with this thing and we're gonna ride this thing out man right as long as we can and try to make it better i think we're better this year we're more prepared than we've ever been um that being said we're probably not prepared enough and who knows but we we're definitely more prepared and we're ready for a great season yeah, definitely. You can't do something that grow this fast without having a good team behind you. I know you guys kind of started, got the ball rolling, but 
you know, if you don't have people that you can trust and that are good at what they do, you know, you're not going to be able to grow as fast as you have and, and, and get it to, uh, you know, keep growing. You know, if you did it like one year, it was a fluke and, and it fell down the next year, I could understand, but you guys, you know, in six years, you went from, you know, 14 to, you know, what, 600 or 500, you said, I mean, that's, that's five a, this year amazing to me so well thanks for being on brett i really appreciate it uh look forward to having you on again some other time maybe after i've competed in a you know couple cook-offs and uh i'll have you back on so i can discuss my uh, experience with them for sure yeah that'll be great and i appreciate you bringing me on tonight let me talk sca i'm sorry it took so long to get on the show Um, i can understand how because knowing how many uh (laughs) cook-offs you got going on and how busy you are i can understand it but i just really appreciate you being on i'm sure people will uh get a kick out of this uh this interview as well and get to look look behind the scenes a little bit and and how they started and, and where they're going and a lot of people you know still are unfamiliar with what the state cookoffs are, even though you've been growing really fast. Uh, one of the things is, like I said, it's just how simple they are. And um, the people that might have looked at getting into the barbecue competition, but have looked at it as a daunting task might go, like you said, start out with cooking the steaks and then work over into the barbecue side. So, Yep. Well, you taught me something tonight. Thank you on the sous vide, you know, a little higher temperature on a ribeye because of the fat. So I appreciate the knowledge you shared and it's, it's great being on with a, somebody like you that really knows cooking. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, and, and it's like with anything, you know, you, if you do it long enough and you start playing around with it, you know, that's, that's why I like to experiment. And then I have friends of mine that, you know, do their own, do a lot more experimenting than I do that I learn from too. So um, that's, you know, I have a big Facebook group that, you know, we have people that come in that, are really, you know, experienced at CV. Then we have some really experienced barbecue guys and we try to meld those guys together and take a little bit from, from them and kind of put them together and say, well, you know, now I've learned a little bit more over here, a little bit more over here. Let's see how we can meld them. But so, yeah, there's uh there's definitely, you know, uh, an experimental factor going on. And, uh, I mean, I think that's, you know, what competition guys love to do too. You know, they, you know, even though Johnny Trigg does his ribs a certain way, how, how many years did it take him to develop that and experimenting and playing around to get that right? Perfect, you know, Johnny Trigg method, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, but I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks again. And I look forward to having you on again sometime. Sounds good. Have a great night. Appreciate All you. Right. Thanks again for joining us here on the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I want to thank Brett Galloway from the SCA State Competitions for joining me and explaining all about those. Make sure you check out the link below to their website and get all the information you can on the state competitions. They're growing fast and it's an awesome uh, event. Also check out the uh, links below for Masterclass and Fresh Jack Seasonings. You can't get anything fresher than Fresh Jack Seasonings. And thanks again, and I will see you again on the next Fire and Water Cooking Podcast.